everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dishes and Dimes, brought to you by Basketball News. I'm joined today by a nice full group here. Not a full group, it's literally like half of us, but still. It's half. <laughs> it's more than half. Uh, we've got Sidra, Noor, Sandy, and myself. My name is Iman. Thank you all for joining us. How are you lovely ladies today? Um, it's a Sunday night, uh, and there was a lot of NBA drama, so basically my... Twitter fingers are tired, but I'm good. I'm fine. I get all my fix, all my drama fixed from the NBA. Everything. Gossip, rumors, batshit crazy shit stuff, all stuff from NBA. You don't <laughs> need to have a personal life if you have NBA. I and don't. The restless can definitely learn from the NBA. Yeah. Literally. I mean, I'm Andy? actually, I'm, I'm really tired of the drama, to be honest. Like, it's either racism or the patriarchy is is beating us down. And I'm tired of it. Like, Yeah, but it's that or Chris Middleton. <laughs> Let's take our pick. <laughs> Valid. She says systemic racism or Chris Middleton. <laughs> <laughs> gotta pick your poison. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I guess I'll take my side of racism. <laughs> It just feels like every single... God, we're picking racism over Chris Middleton. You know what, Pat Connaughton? Racist. <laughs> but doesn't it feel like uh, like the last, I don't know, maybe year, maybe more than that, every few days there's something to be so furious about? And it's just exhausting. So I can't imagine like people who are actually experiencing this, me as like a bystander, somebody who's like, Somebody who's actually experiencing this, how exhausted they are. Like, I just, oh, people need rest. And people yeah. need support. But I think, like, part of it is that the NBA, yes, it is our escape and entertainment, but it's still real life. So it is comprised of people, Black people. It is comprised of white people. It is comprised of men. It is comprised of women. And in any instance, in any institution, in any space that, that we exist in as humans there are going to be power dynamics there are going to be um like the patriarchy and white supremacy are going to fall through like there's no way that that doesn't permeate throughout the nba because it doesn't everywhere else in our life and the mm-hmm. nba is a continuation of that just because we see it as entertainment and we see it as something distinct and different than our real lives doesn't mean that it's not that for all of those people we yeah. maybe see them as characters on tv but they're real people so like there's no way to really separate that, you know? It's life. Yeah, it's like a small snippet of what we experience, like what the world really is. Exactly. But it's like the richest and the most powerful. So like, it's like our lives heightened because they're the most rich and the most powerful. You know what I mean? And I think it's the one that like, Obviously, besides all the worst things about it, it also allows you to have this discourse because I don't think you're able to have this discourse anywhere else. Like the fact that we're able to sit here and talk about it, you can't really do that with much of the other industries. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think that we have that separation where we're almost we're talking about these people like they're characters on TV, like it's our favorite television show. We're like it almost feels fictional, but we know that it's real, which is why it matters still. I completely agree. I think that that allows 
uh, for for strong conversation and for better conversation and the conversation that has been happening, hip hop popping. I don't know. Am I old? Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on Twitter and just like throughout is the story by um, a New York Times, um, a New York Times piece that came out today. Or New York Post? I should probably know that. Huh. I think it was Post. I think it was a New York Post. Um, a New York Post article today um about um Rachel Nichols and the leaked audio tape so this is audio tape that was actually released a year well not released leaked a year ago to Deadspin and they put out a story and they completely botched it a year ago completely botched it a year ago I didn't know that actually yeah, yeah, they completely botched it a year ago. Basically, said it was nothingness. Said that like there was nothing that like Rachel Nichols said or did that was like backstabby or whatever else. But like anyone who kind of makes it seem like that is because we always turn powerful women into like these conniving characters, like Hillary Clinton and Elizabeth Warren. Hate to break it to you, but they are oh, conniving God. women. Deadspin is dead and gone. The Deadspin that we all know and love is dead and gone. <laughs> so, Lacey, I throw it to you. And that's giving Rachel Nichols a lot to make that comparison. Like, yeah. I'm so sorry, Hillary. Like, I can't stand that bitch, but mm-hmm. girl. No, I, like, <laughs> I, think sorry, I, I say that it is. It is a New York Times article, and it was written by Kevin Draper, who is a former Deadspin writer. So you know what, Deadspin, if you kept your old staff and didn't have that turnover, you would have had a great story. And uh, instead, a lot of traction, (laughs) a lot of traction, a lot of traction. Um, You know what? Like for me personally, I think this whole conversation is like a textbook definition of white feminism. It's supporting, you know, people of color, diversity, different genders when um, you have an audience and it helps your brand Um, but behind closed doors when it actually really matters and you can make a stand and you can actually help people in tangible ways um, you're about your whiteness and you want to preserve your whiteness and that's what she showed us Um, was I particularly surprised no Um, I think it's an interesting conversation because I don't think she realizes that she's in the position she's in in part because of white supremacy and that we uplift and um, we support and we prefer white voices over those of um, people of color, um, specifically black people. Um, And for her to be in the position she's in, in a predominantly black industry speaks to um, white supremacy. The fact that her whiteness has, has brought her to the position she's in. She's not more talented than a Maria. She's not more qualified than a Maria. So what is it that's keeping her in that position? And um, she was very adamant about holding on to her position and her privilege and didn't want to share it, even though it would not affect her. And that's the thing that I think we need to focus on when we're having that conversation. It was not going to stop her from getting a job. She was going to continue working for ESPN and having her little little monologues that nobody cares about. She was Um, always going to be Rachel Nichols. Nobody was taking coin out of your pocket, sis. You were just mad that the blackie would get a job too and to that i say fuck you big fuck you but also just (laughs) assuming that that maria is getting it because she's black and they need a diversity hire or something like that but you just you're you're educated and you're um 
you have the the talent to get it, but she doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Why is it? Why is it when she's getting hired? It's because she's black. But when you're doing it, it's not because you're uh, you're a woman, but it's because you earned it. What's the difference? And the thing with her calling out ESPN too is like, so you were okay with being the token minority hire, the token woman in the room Mm -hmm. um, and being paraded as that the whole way through. But when they decided to give that to somebody else, that's when you had a problem with diversity. That's when you wanted to speak up and talk about how ESPN sucks and the need to work on it. Like it just, it kind of goes through, you kind of show who you are when you take that route, right? Like you show that the second that, your privilege was being taken away from you. That's when you have a problem with it. And that's when you want to play the diversity card and, oh, this platform sucks for this and that. I think you guys hit on a lot of like really interesting points and things that I, you know, just kept bringing up. I have like 50 million tweets. I apologize. I've flooded your timelines with just a bunch of tweets about it. But um, just like the idea that like, yeah, and Sandra, you were getting to this and it's something that like blows my mind because like the math, doesn't make sense to me doesn't add up to say that like you know I persevere despite this thing right like despite whatever sort of thing is holding you back your gender for Rachel Nichols it is her gender right so you're a minority in this space women are not minorities but whatever let's just pretend for the sake of argument that you know women are minorities you fight despite that but then a double minority somehow has a leg up because they're a minority, how does that make sense? Where's the math in that? It doesn't add up to me. So I didn't I didn't understand that. But what I really took issue with was a lot of this idea that <clears throat> it wasn't Rachel Nichols's fault. This is actually the fault of ESPN. This is ESPN's fault for pitting women against each other, for creating this competition where people feel like it's either I eat or you eat. Like you guys said, Rachel Nichols is going to continue to eat. She has the host of the jump. She's going to continue to get hers, okay? No one is coming for Rachel Nichols' spot. But, like, despite that, even if there was this, like, and and I do believe that there is a a really ugly, like, competition that exists within ESPN and not just amongst women, although, you know, with women, it's even harder because there are less spots for women. So I completely understand that that exists, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make someone racist, that's my whole thing is like, yes, the competition exists. Yes, competition is is bad amongst like women and pitting women against each other is bad. But the second that two women are pitted against each other, if one of them turns to racism, that has nothing to do with the SPN at that point and everything to do with the racist. And the second that we use Rachel Nichols being racist as some sort of well, she's a victim because ESPN is pitting her against another person. Now what we're doing is we're turning her racism into her white victimhood. Like we're letting her become a victim because she was racist. And that's not it. That's not it at all. And I just kept seeing that. I kept seeing that everywhere I turned. And it's so frustrating to see that as a black person and being like, no, that's not it. Like, what are you guys not seeing here? That is not it. That will never be it. You cannot call her a victim of ESPN's competition because competition doesn't turn people racist. People are either racist or they're not. And it's fine to say, like, I don't think that Rachel Nichols is like, I I think that Rachel Nichols can learn and grow. I don't think this is like a canceled forever type of moment. But I do think that this is a moment of reflection for every single person where we need to understand that being an ally goes far beyond saying something in front of the camera. What are you saying behind closed doors? How are people supposed to trust that you're having our back when there are closed doors there? That you're standing up for us and you're giving us a seat at the table. 
The reason why dishes and dimes exists is because we recognize that that seat does not exist for all of us because of our, all of our different identities and staring here at three Muslim women, two brown women and two black women, right? Like I'm staring here at diverse faces. Um, and so we recognize that spaces don't exist for us and that's why we've created a room. And I know that we're all supportive of each other, but how do we go out into spaces like an ESPN in the future or anywhere else, right? And do we trust that people are gonna have our backs? Like, don't people see that that's the issue here? <laughs> like, it's not about ESPN creating this negative, you know, environment for people and pitting people against each other. Like, that's a whole separate story and not what this one is about at all. You know, I one thing that I thought was very interesting, and I, I think it's not something that has been discussed, are how the Black men all came to her defense. Yes. Thank you for and saying that. So they understand racism when it pertains to them and yeah. how it blocks them from opportunities. Yeah. But when it's happening to Black women, there's a blind spot. And it's the same blind spot that white women have when it comes to feminism. Yeah. And so when Absolutely. Whitlock and Emin were both like, well, she's been down for me. She's supported all, me. I'm so sorry. I got to cut you off. Whitlock's not a black man that we're going to get this. I'm, I'm sorry. So I I was going to tweet this and then I deleted it. I said, I don't care if so she bad. led you through the Underground Railroad. What the <laughs> fuck does that have to do with that bitch being racist against did somebody explain that? Like, look, your individual experience mm. does not like negate. completely negate mm. what she does. In like, mm. she had an opportunity to open a lane for a black woman who is deserving mm -hmm. of this position. She's not. It's not on. She's not on anybody's else's coattails. Like, mm -hmm. she's not she being given this, this opportunity. Like. She deserves to be at the table. She's worked for it. You have black women are not given uh, the door doesn't open very easily for black. Women. It doesn't. The door does and not you know, open easily for a dark black woman at that because we can talk about the difference between like if we like throwing black women as some sort of monolith is a completely different thing. Right. She is also a dark skinned black woman. She is an right. unambiguous black woman. Right. A lot of the faces that ESPN pushes forth are biracial black women, and that's something right. that's a that's also a part of the conversation. So when we're talking yeah. about diversity, it's like what kind of diversity are we talking about? Ma yeah. Maria Taylor is a very specific type of diversity that we're talking right. about that is very rare that is very rare to see in spaces like that I just thought it was very interesting and I just think again it speaks to the blind spots that black men and black women have when it comes to um, the oppression that black women that black women specifically face um, it's a very uh, it's different in the sense that like we're women <laughs> with sex, sexism definitely but we deal with racism and, and we have to be able to balance exist with those two burdens on our shoulders and it's one uh, that black men will never get and they don't understand it and it's like how can you see it when it's happening to you but then when it's happening to someone else who looks like you it just it doesn't commute like it does doesn't how is it that she know like she knows her opportunities aren't going to come to an end if Maria gets this position. She knows it. And she said, yo, if she's going to get this position, I want nothing to do with it. Like, you're... Yeah. Can I just say, like, I... Like, I, I think reading the article is one thing, but also listening to the recording is a completely different. And I have to say, I came to this first having listened to the recording before reading the article. And when you listen to her speak about... Um, when you listen to her speak about 
um, Maria and, and the opportunity. It was very much like ESPN offered me to do the sideline thing. Yeah. But you know what that's going to do. Yes, right. you know what that's going to do. It's going to allow for Maria to take over. I'm not going to have that. And to me, it's like, so your issue with not taking the sideline job has nothing to do with you not wanting the sideline job. It has yeah. To do with like you not being interested in having that job and has everything to do with what door that opens for someone else. And I completely understand it being like, well, it's a full-time thing. And what does that mean for her long-term? But like the way that she phrased it, let us know where her priorities lie while yeah. she was saying what she was saying. Um, yeah. But I do want to credit some black men here. <laughs> <laughs> Jalen Rose um, and, and, uh, people really very much seems like have stood up Mm -hmm. for Maria and have, and have like been the reason why maybe ESPN's getting a little bit of pushback, why story like today could have come out and happened. So there is support that she is getting, but I completely agree with you that a mean tweet I thought was, was garbage, like coming out right away in defense of her didn't make sense. And it was unsurprising once again. Um, And then Jason Whitlock, I mean, like Jason Whitlock, let me tell you something. He tweets as a barometer. It is our barometer. If you agree with him, you are dead wrong. That's how it is in life. You agree with him, you're wrong. Disagree with him, you're on the right track. That's how you should always view his tweets on every single subject. If he goes outside and says it's hot, it is the middle of winter. That's how you should feel. On everything, he is absolutely dead wrong. Yeah, he's ridiculous. That man is ridiculous. I I don't even know why he's not blocked. Like I saw his tweet and I got mad. I'm like, why why is he not blocked? Why haven't I blocked him yet? I like I'm so glad his tweets do not come onto my timeline very often. I'm very glad. Not not even to dunk on him, because like don't waste your time even trying to dunk on him. Like just let him be yeah, around. Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, for me about Rachel, the one thing that really well, everything pissed me off, but when she was talking about Maria, it came with so much, like, the way she was talking was so malicious, like, well, like, I'm not going to take that, or, like, it just sounded very disingenuous, Mm -hmm. and then the whole conversation, I don't even know who the guy is that she was talking to, he seems like a piece of shit, so I don't care. He's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. shit. Adam Mendelsohn. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, whatever his name is, I don't care to say it, he thinks that he's, he's exhausted because of Me Too and BLM, have you yeah. experienced anything that the victims of Me Too have gone through or what Black people have gone through? What are you exhausted about? Talking. What are you exhausted about, bro? Stop like, talking what's about it. Talking. And then, like, I don't know. And uh, to top it all up, when she responded to that, it was just like the most malicious laugh. And it was just yeah. evil. It was just like, yeah. why are you laughing at that? What kind of fake performative ally bullshit is that? Her- I wonder what she's going to say to that. I like genuinely wonder because the laugh threw me off as well. And I sat and like maybe was trying to find some sort of justification for it. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe if someone in a professional setting said something that I disagreed with, maybe I just sort of laugh it off to like not sort of engage with them or not have this sort of confrontation. I was really trying to find something to justify just sort of laughing it off. Um, But like, I don't know. I don't know what I come to. And I don't know like how, what her apology is going to be if she does something on the jump or if she's going to say I'm listening. And I'm learning. Thank you. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of listening and learning. <laughs> a lot I'm of so tired of listening and learning. <laughs> but like the audacity yeah. to yeah. say that you are tired, tired yeah. of listening to women talk about being sexually assaulted or black people talking about being murdered by the police. What the what? What? What in the what? <laughs> I don't swear. So like, what? <laughs> Imagine if white, like rich white people had real stresses, huh? 
Bro, they can't, they can't yourself. deal with real stresses. They'll just go and, like, we saw with a little bit of stress. They asked her to do a sideline job and she broke down. A little yeah. bit of stress. Jesus yeah. Christ. Can I just say one more thing about her? I've been just thinking yeah. about this. And I, in 2021, I think it's bullshit that people want people of color, Black people and Indigenous people to consider white women being hired for jobs as a win for diversity. It's bullshit. I don't care. The next the next person up after a white guy is a white woman. I, this 2021, I'm not settling for crumbs anymore. This is bullshit. We said we want more Black women. We want more people of color. And white supremacy is like, the best we can do is give you a white woman. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need that. Like, With red hair. <laughs> for Get red the hair. fuck out of my face. For honestly, Diversity. honestly though. But like they put Ron Weasley's wife on our TV, Sandy. (laughs) (laughs) You know it's diversity because Friends didn't even have a redhead. That's how you. (laughs) That's how you know. But she's a redhead, guys. (laughs) But like seriously, I'm tired of like white supremacy and these organizations thinking that they're gonna throw white women at us, and we're all gonna be like, "Oh my God, thank you so much for your for performative ally bullshit." Like when white women get a seat at the table, none of us get a seat at the table when black women get a seat at the table every person gets a seat at the table if a black woman wins we're all fucking winning like i just don't get it it's just such bullshit i'm not settling for crumbs anymore this is in the 60s fuck this shit <laughs> i'm tired and we're going to for diversity it's not it's we not. don't care anymore we don't know for me like when i see like fezel on sportsnet yeah. That means so much more to me than seeing yeah. Rachel Nichols. Yeah. Yeah. When I see yeah. Brandon Gonas having like his own show and people supporting him, that means more to me than Rachel Nichols will ever mean to me. For yeah. sure. For sure. Okay. That is feminism. If your feminism is just about white women, that's your white feminism talking. And it's bullshit. <laughs> it's some Elizabeth Warren shit. I'm not down for it. Hello. Like the Deadspin article said. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren is an indigenous woman. Did you know that? <laughs> what is she? One, 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 one I don't think she was anything but Harvard. One, one, Harvard listed her. Harvard Law like listed her as their first woman of color. Elizabeth fucking Warren was their first woman of color professor. That is the whitest woman I've ever seen in my life. Well, her hair is a golden retriever, bro. <laughs> She has a golden retriever. I'm surprised indigenous people haven't burnt down this whole, like, uh, I'm surprised indigenous people just haven't burnt everything down because Lord knows. Lord knows. I read, okay, so I actually read something where um, I was reading it and I was like, oh my God, this is like so true. And it was like, you should be happy indigenous people are just coming for your statues instead of coming for your children the way you came for theirs. And I was like, for real, like, why do you care about statues so hard? It's just so stupid. Anyone Sorry, I have a lot of feelings. Is anyone who cares about statues is lying, and they're they're just like they're white supremacists. Yeah, just racist. Just, yeah, not it's not nobody cares about a statue. What is a statue? <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody cares about a statue. But what people do care about. Terrible segue. Not doing it. I hate it already. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this topic. topic. Not gonna do it. Um, but to move from one serious topic to another. Talking about racism, now on to sexism. I guess we were also talking about sexism, but like we can't really move forward 
This is Dishes and Dimes. We're an all-women podcast. It wouldn't make sense for us to not talk about what the whole NBA world has been talking about recently with the hires of Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups to the Dallas Mavericks as as Jason Kidd to the Dallas Mavericks as head coach, and then Chauncey Billups to the Portland Trailblazers as head coach. Now, Chauncey Billups has uh, an accusation uh, against him from 1997, a gang rape allegation against him. And um, Jason Kidd has been convicted of domestic violence. So one has been a conviction. One of them is an allegation. I don't think that matters. I think we all understand what, you know, this all is. I'm going to shut up and let you guys lead the way um, and let me know what your feelings are on this. I mean, for myself, I think... Anyone that's siding with Chauncey hasn't read about the case. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, um, but, you know, they he took this woman home um, and he, after the incident um, took place, uh, he said that he wasn't there. He never, you know, went home with her. He wasn't there. Uh, they ran a rape kit um and they found his semen inside of her uh, choke marks on her neck uh she uh was obviously you know oral sex she was forced um they saw proof of that uh, like trauma so, yeah trauma um so when people say oh well there wasn't it's an allegation he wasn't convicted you're full of fucking shit okay um and I think one thing that we definitely need to talk about is, you know, people always use the um, excuse of a criminal case again versus a civil case. If, you know, she felt like, you know, she, this was actually rape, why wouldn't she, you know, go for a criminal case? And it's like, do you know what they do to rape victims in criminal cases? Do you know how they treat them? They, they wreck their, their life. lives upside down and there's no guarantee that you're going to get justice. At least with the civil case, you can get some money. You can try to restart your life. You can get um, mental health services. You can get money. mental health services. Um, so it makes sense in many cases for these victims um, to go for a civil case rather than a criminal case. Absolutely. Right? Uh, so that's something I, I wanted to point out. Mm-hmm. I also want to point out that if you're going to side with Chauncey Billups, you read the fucking case. Read it. Go on Google and put Chauncey Billups in the fucking search bar. Do not come. Having brain honest, cells. It's not something I can bring myself to do. I, I have physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually like this, like... I had heard about the Chauncey Billups story for the first time like two weeks ago. Yeah. And it was like before it blew up on Twitter. So maybe three weeks ago, I don't remember. But it was before like before Twitter had kind of found it where someone was like, well, yeah, but like he hadn't. It was before the uh, Portland hiring. I think people were like talking about him with other jobs, maybe the Boston one, maybe this, that and the third. And I like heard it and was just like, I can't, I can't do another one of these. I can't like mentally bring myself to go and research the stories. Like I did, I read the transcript for Kobe. I did the same thing for Rose. I just continuously do it. And like, I can't. And like, once again, like, like you said, Chauncey Billups is like someone that I grew up on. Chauncey Billups is someone that I grew up loving. And like, it's easy for me to be like cut done. Like I'm like, there's just nothing there, but physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, this shit is draining. It is so raining every single time to keep reading and 
I just like respect humans and women and just like I don't like it's so frustrating and I I like I I don't know it's wild to me because I fell in love well I feel like most of you know I fell in love with basketball because of the 2004 Pistons that's yeah, when I started on watching. the number one overall pick BT. thanks I don't care <laughs> <laughs> but for me Rip Hamilton and Chauncey Billups is what I watch what I grew up on and they made me fall in love with the the game of basketball. And I have a Billups jersey downstairs that is like still in its hangar. I don't let people go through it because I have all five of the starters from the 04 championship. I love that so much. (laughs) But for me, I was like, it's just a reminder that your childhood heroes are sometimes horrible fucking people. Yeah. And they get away with it because they have money and they have power because they have talent. And men, when they have talent, get away with so much bullshit and mm-hmm. so much sexual assault and everybody defends them. And I just don't yeah. understand why everybody defends them, because when you think about sexual assault towards women, every woman in this world knows someone who's been sexually assaulted or has been sexually assaulted. That is a fucking global pandemic on its own. But we keep excusing it and putting it under the rug And it's such bullshit to just let these men continue to have power, continue to hold space for them. They never get any repercussions for anything that they do just because they're famous or just because they have power. Like, fuck that. I used to love Chauncey Billups, but I don't give a fuck. And at the same time, he's the when he was talking about it, he said that it shaped his life in unbelievable ways. But when the Trailblazers did an independent investigation the findings that they found what uh, agreed with Chauncey's story that nothing non-consensual happened. But if nothing non-consensual happened, then how the fuck did it shape your life in unbelievable ways? I think he was saying the allegation did, but like, fuck him. What allegation? You got, you, you went to the NBA, you became finals MVP. You got, you got into what? Like four all-star games. You won a a championship. I don't like and hired as a, a, as a head, head coach. coach. You're of, going down. You're gonna. Did he, he like get uh, indicted into the Hall of Fame? I think he might have recently. Or I know Hamilton it. has, but I don't know if Chauncey has. I don't like, remember when he retired, so I don't like know what year he'll be inducted. Even if he hasn't, you know he's going to. He will be for sure. So why the fuck? What? What? How did it shape your life in unbelievable ways? You have three daughters now, Chauncey. How did it shape your life in unbelievable ways? You have a great wife. You have great kids. Your kids are in college playing sports, living their lives. Like, how did it shape your life in unbelievable ways? What kind of hypocritical bullshit was that? Just for the people that also say that um, she settled outside of court, so that just rules everything. I don't know if you know how the legal system works, but if you settle outside of court and you're a rich athlete, probably means you're guilty. Probably means you don't want to deal with the with the after effects. Probably means you don't want to be in the eye and the media. You don't want to bring it any more attention because any woman that I know who has gone through it and who's gone through the legal system has never won. They don't know. Nothing comes out of it except the woman has to be dragged through the mud, has to be pulled through the worst places of her life. And then she has to find closure in knowing that she tried to do the right thing 
but that didn't work out for her because the system is going to be rigged against no matter what happens. And honestly, this is coming from someone who's gone through this shit too. Nothing is going to happen for you. This is the world is not set up right now to help women in any way. It's just not going to happen. And then for you to go ahead and blame the women who have the courage to come up and say that this has happened to me. And I want to be the voice for the women who don't have the voice that they want to have currently. That to me is you're just, you're disrespecting women to their faces. And Mm -hmm. I just feel gross watching the sport after all of that. I'm just like, I don't even want to watch the Trailblazers. I don't give a fuck what Mavericks, I don't want to watch them. I just don't want to be put in a position where I'm being told to my face that I don't respect you. I don't respect what you've gone through. I don't respect your gender, Um, but have a great time and give me your money while you're watching my sport. Absolutely. But also to your point, Noor, like you're absolutely right. Most cases get don't even go to court nobody wants that bad publicity nobody wants to uh, pay all the court fees most cases don't go to court and like most rapes don't get reported and the ones that do about three percent of those people actually go to jail so are you guys just fucking stupid like if you're agreeing with chauncey now are you just you're just willfully ignorant and you you want to be like i'm just over it And even when we talk about 3% going to prison, it's like, and how many of those are rich and powerful men? You know what I mean? And like, I get that the the counter argument to to that would be that like, you know, people who always want to bring up the false reports, I get that like, maybe if you're a rich and powerful person, you're going to have more because there's more to gain, but you're also not settling outside of court because you can take that and easily disprove that with the lawyers that you have, right? Like that is something that is easy to, if you you have the best legal team in the world, if you did nothing and you're completely guilt-free, it doesn't feel like that for you to actually go through considering how few of these people actually, um, you know, are ever charged or ever charged with anything. Anyway, anytime somebody says that it's because the athlete's name will be dragged through the mud. When have you ever seen the athlete being talked about that way? It's always the victim who's being told that she's a liar. She's a fraud. She's this and that you always catch, you always catch flack as a victim, even when the athlete has to go through it right now, you're watching it right now. Watch Sandy when she went to go talk about Chauncey, Chauncey Billups. Look at the comments that she had in her, in her mentions. Look at the, the way people talk to you about it. When you even have you know, in their eyes, the audacity to make a comment about that. They can't handle it. They really can't. I think it was very interesting. Uh, Somebody, uh, when I uh, put out the tweet about um, just imagining what the victim's going to feel like having having to see um, Lillard uh, co-sign Billups for this head coaching job, like how that will feel. Like, try censoring her for once. He's censoring that, that victim for once. Um, and somebody was like, oh, well, I believe in second chances. And I'm like, second you chances? You don't deserve a second a, chance. No, but he's getting a head coaching job in the NBA, right? And my whole thing is like, if you want to talk to me about second chances, what has he done to to get that quote unquote second chance that you feel like he deserves? Has there he were no spoken about sexual assault victims? Has he spoken about the rape culture in sports? Has he uplifted the voices of sexual assault victims? Has he served time? Has he served time? Like what has he, what kind Did of- Did he even get a slap on the wrist? No. At what point- Not even literally. Did he try to make amends for this thing that he's done? 
And but it changes life in unbelievable ways. And it changes life, but he's getting a head coaching job with the Portland fucking Blazers. I think. And the thing with it too is like, we're not saying that you can't reflect on your actions afterwards and become a better person and go through therapy and understand where you went wrong. And, you know, from that point forward, especially if you have daughters now and you have a wife and you understand that you have females in your life, all we're asking is if someone has raped me, don't give them a position of power where I have to watch them on TV. That's all I'm saying. Right. Let them have I think there are a couple life. of things there. One is the idea that I, and it, it bothers me so much, but I completely understand what you're saying. But the idea that men have to have daughters, right? Sisters. Or but the thing is that you have to mother to give another woman any form of empathy. We're human beings just like you. We're yeah, absolutely. But they don't see us like that. Humans they don't see it that way. Us off of the basis of the fact that we are human beings. So that's one thing. And I completely, I know what you're saying. It just drives me crazy. Absolutely. And the other thing though, and I, I think the, the issue is, and I, I've, I've sat with this and I want to know what you guys think. Cause I, I, this is something that I've sat with for, for a while, just like trying to understand what the NBA would do, what they should do and like how they should handle things like this. Cause I do think that as not just the Twitter sphere, grows but just is you know NBA discourse evolves as we grow as like the way that we talk about things evolve the NBA changes its rules right like Michelle Roberts has already talked about easing up on anti-marijuana laws and different things like that right so we know that their rules change and they change because of how society advances and how we talk about things right we really do influence so much of like how the nba handles things there's a reason why the dress code is 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 extinct right (laughs) like because we don't care um haha david stern take that He's looking up at us really upset. He's coughing um, right now with a water bottle up in heaven. Not in heaven. <laughs> down in hell. Down there. He's, he's looking up at us. He's looking up at us. What's up, motherfucker? But what I keep coming back to, and I, I literally, because I knew that we were talking about Chauncey Billups and Jason Kidd, I just did a quick Google search of the Portland Trailblazers owner and the Dallas Mavericks owner and sexual right. assault. Oh no. And I got right oh, of course. in 2011, Mark Cuban, and he he's denied it, but at a nightclub, a woman did accuse him of something, right? So it's 2011, and we know everything about the 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 Dallas Mavericks and their former CEO, whose name I have written down here, but I'm not even gonna try to pronounce it because fuck him entirely. Um and we know like remember the story that came out three years ago? You guys remember that story just about how rampant the sexual like, yeah. harassment oh, yes. was within the Dallas Mavericks organization and yeah. how it starts from the top. And, and like, yeah, so in 2011, a story came out about Mark Cuban and we know that the Dallas Mavericks is a shit organization. Um, and then also Google's the Portland Trailblazers and, you know, Jody Allen, Paula Allen, that family, Jody Allen has been accused and she's a woman. Um, and, and, and Paul Allen, they own, they also own the Seahawks. Um, of by former bodyguards of sexual assault and harassment and also smuggling ivory, which also like don't go to Africa and take our our elephant tusks. Like don't Oh Jesus. Right? And like bribery and just a bunch of root like they have so many skeletons. And so I just kept coming back to like 
is the NBA going to really do this? Because I just Googled the two teams that were involved. I didn't go through all the owners. I didn't do it. And I didn't even do a deep dig. Literally the first hits were there. When I Googled their names and sexual assault, the first two hits that I got were yes, (laughs) there are hits to be made. So my whole thing is like, how does the NBA police something like this? Because what's going to happen when we say, okay, well, players are not getting these opportunities and coaches are not getting these opportunities, but the owners are like, you can't strip away. What are you going to do? You need billionaires. And it turns yeah. out the billionaires are the worst human beings amongst us. Amongst yeah, that's us. how they get like, become billionaires. I, don't, I think the NBA is kind of standing at this place of like a Pandora's box, really, if they sort of, and I, I don't know what the answer is. I have no idea. I'm not, you know, saying. I think that's why it's because it goes beyond the NBA. It almost has to be legislated in the law. It's, like yes, that's yeah. the only world. way you can call somebody out. Like you can't do that just going through the end begin calling it ethics. I'm not going to fucking understand ethics. I don't get ethics. They don't, this, this, they're, they're billionaires. They don't have ethics. So you have to go through the law, the one system that they can't do anything through. And that's why it's a global thing. It's not through the NBA. It's not just the Western world problem. It's every woman goes through this, no matter where you are, no matter how old you are, what your position in life is, where you're serving it. First world country, third world country, If you're a woman, you know what this is. And I think that's why it just, it needs to be implemented at a very high level. And like, we're at the fucking 21st century. I do not need to be worried about leaving the house and having to put keys in the middle of my wrist and worried about how do I, who should I be calling if I'm walking home alone at night? Or I need to make sure that there's nobody in my back seat when I'm entering my car. Those things, like I should not be having these thoughts anymore. And I think, yeah, it starts with the law. It, you have to go for the billionaires. And the billionaires I couldn't, the I couldn't let you go with that last part. Girl, you're not getting what? so far alone anyway. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I was like, I hope nobody <laughs> talks about it. And you're like, so <laughs> say it. So say it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, it has to bring it up, man. Anytime, <laughs> but um, God, no, but wait, then God also doesn't have her license, so why get it, I don't know about you, but anytime I get into an Uber, I'm screenshotting who the driver is and I'm screenshotting the You're car, sending your I'm location, and I'm exactly I have yeah. to because I'm like, I don't know, and I've been in very many cars with very interesting Uber drivers, and sometimes when I say interesting, I mean creepy. Um, but but yeah, so I, I think that the NBA is kind of at the space and I don't know how they go about doing it because how do you implement it for coaches and then what line do you draw for players? And then you get into like, like you said, it becomes like a legal matter where it's like, can you then like, are you stepping on any sort of like, I don't like, I don't know. Like, can you like, what do you do to players? How do you enforce something like that? And I thought maybe the NBA can do like a whole league wide thing where, you know, it's just like having like league wide sort of like I, I was really trying to think about a way that the NBA can go about this that would make sense and there's really nothing because then we're getting into a whole other racial issue where I mean people are going to bring up the dynamics between NBA players and their wives and when someone calls something out and yada yada and the history of America and you know white women weaponizing yeah. their whiteness against black men and a bunch of other stuff like there's no way to really have a clear conversation about this now and I understand not wanting to give Chauncey and Jason Kidd their jobs I completely understand that and like here you rape someone I have zero sympathy for you like rot underneath the prison I don't I do not care but I don't know what line the NBA draws considering I just googled two owners and I found something 
right away for those two teams. If I went and did that for all 30 teams, will I, I find something for all 30? Say, yeah. Probably. 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 You, you, probably. probably. So, like, what does guys, the NBA do? There is it's, no line. And I hate to bring this up because like, I will, you know, when you talk about this, people get you death threats and talk shit about you. Um, but there's no line. Look at Kobe. Kobe is a god. When no, idolizing these stopped. players. Idolatry is bad. Always, always. Because <laughs> you're going to find out that they're bad people. And then you're going to start defending them on the internet as a 13-year-old. And then when you grow up and you realize, because you have daughters and decide to start respecting women finally, um, you're going to be If you're lucky, you by the way. Cool. Yeah, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. Otherwise, they're just going to cook and clean for you. Take yeah, otherwise you're going to pass on your trauma to your daughters. So good yeah. luck with that. I, I honestly, this is not even a joke anymore. I'm not kidding. I genuinely think that we need to have a case study and the case study needs to be, we give one country entirely to women. One, I'm, I'm sitting here, you're laughing. I'm not kidding. One country entirely to men. You let that happen for like five years fester and then look at the findings. And I guarantee you that woman country, yes, there will be pesky fights and catty shit or whatever. There'll be no war. There'll be no hurting each other, but I don't know what the men's stuff is going to do. And if you look at the contrast of just women separated through men, how safe are they? How happy are they? I think power and privilege and money though. Like if look at the owner, like look at the, the Dallas owner, like she has sexual allegations with her bodyguards. I get what you're saying because I I would hope that because women are empathetic to what our own plight and what we've gone through in sexual assault to towards women, but money and power change people. Pe- yeah, people we're not gonna have any billionaires on really North Island. Yeah, no billionaires. No, billionaires think, no, no billionaires because so I, think you lose, <laughs> I think you lose gender oh, when yeah. you're a billionaire. <laughs> You lose gender when you're a billionaire like that. Yeah, like, honestly. Like, there's just a whole other, there's a whole other dynamic that you exist in that is- Exactly. Like you no longer are a citizen on planet. Like you are literally controlling us. Therefore, you no longer classify as a human. Like, yeah. yeah. If you have that ability and you don't feel guilty about hoarding that type of money and not giving it away, when you see people starving, you see people without healthcare, you see people- like Bro, she's don't, they don't have beds but you're yeah you're sneaking in fucking ivory to the country you're stealing resources and killing like Animals, endangered man. species Shut yeah up, just trash human beings but like that's so like and, and that's why like i don't know what this conversation with with jason kidd and chauncey billups is i don't know what the the final end is and if we can like because i completely sympathize and i empathize with people who say i do not want to watch a rapist on my TV screen, but that team is owned by a rapist. And that team is like, you're making a rapist money. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you're like, there's no, there's like, we have a real problem that's so much larger than the head coach. It's just yeah. a much larger problem. And I think that like, there's a way that we can address this that is broader. And I have no idea what it is. I don't have any solution. Yeah. And like, at the same time, I'm all about supporting and listening to victims. And if someone else says that they don't want to see something, then I'm just like, all right, I'm going to shut up and yeah. like, let's not see that. So I'm also on that side. I mean, that was, sorry, Sandy, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, if they're going to implement any kind of rules, it would have to be across the board on all sports, right? Because yeah. the allegations will start popping up everywhere as 
they always do. The NFL is rampant with that shit. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing I was going to point out and I thought was very interesting is just how sport, how sports fans kind of uphold and perpetuate rape culture within sports. Like, like you don't know Chauncey from Adam. You don't know this man. All you know is that he knows how to bounce a basketball and you're willing to vouch for him. You're willing to demean somebody else for him. Um, you're willing to give him a second chance, <laughs> even though he may have raped somebody. Like, it makes me wonder if you're willing to do this for a stranger that you do not know simply because he knows how to bounce a basketball. What are you doing when it's your friends that are assaulting people, that are raping people, that are harming people? Like, there seems to be no rapists in the world, but all these people who've been raped, and I just don't understand. The math is not mathing. So it's very interesting. Whenever you bring up the victims, whenever you bring up an allegation that there's all these people who are going to sit there and support this person that they don't know. And I just wonder how that translates into their real lives. When they see their friends assaulting somebody, touching somebody that doesn't want to be touched, being aggressive with someone that doesn't want to, that doesn't want the attention, catcalling, how, how, like, how much more are they going to bat for these people that they know are harming other people? And I think it's a very interesting conversation. I'm, I'm somebody who, I believe in rehabilitation. I, I, I strongly do believe in that. But you have to atone for the things that you have to take accountability. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. believe in giving somebody a second chance when they didn't ask for one. They don't even they, admit that there's a problem. You have to admit that you did something. And I think one thing that I have a problem with is during the um, the press conference, mm-hmm. um, when, when um, Chauncey's sitting there, and he has an opportunity to speak for himself. And the owner stops the questioning, the line of questioning. Oh, Neil O'Shea, the GM? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The GM, Portland GM. We've already answered this question. And I don't know what was about to come out of his well, mouth. Um, to TV or wherever he comes from. I think he's like an actor. <laughs> um, I think there was a real opportunity. I don't know if what he would have said would, would be any different than what he said in the past. I don't know if it would have been insightful, but I think it would have been, it's important to the conversation for him to have spoken and said what he needed to say. Um, If you are going to have the balls to hire somebody who's raped someone, you should be prepared (laughs) to have questions thrown his way and he should have to answer it. You don't get to hide now that you've actually hired who allegedly okay rape someone like you don't get to he does not get the privilege to hide behind the organization that was willing to hire him for that Mm -hmm. in spite of that don't worry we did an investigation i'm open i don't know Um, there's a lot of like what about ism when it came to rachel nichols is like yeah we know that espn is bad they're owned by disney it's like one of the most evil corporations (laughs) in the world we're not talking about espn being bad and not creating space for White woman, black woman, any type of woman. There's no space for women there. They they made it. We're a talking sex about Rachel. Thing. 
They, 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 were trying, they were trying to hire her. And Rachel's the one that said, nah, you guys are not hiring her if I'm going to be there. So how are you going to blame ESPN for that? Hello, ESPN was going to hire Maria. What? So how are you blaming ESPN for that? Like they were just going to give her more of the hosting gigs for the finals. And uh, she was just she like- the same woman who was like, hey, quiet, congrats on winning the NBA championship. When are you, are you leaving? <laughs> yeah, like, here, she gets the biggest scoops, right? Like that's, that's- <laughs> That's a valid yeah, question, though. She's known for sensationalizing her stories, and she's known to, like, attach this very dramatic monologue to every single athlete to give yeah. them this, like, very soft story. And she does this for views and ratings. And honestly, if you're listening to it and you're watching it, it comes off very scripted and dis- disingenuous. You can tell this is for views. You can tell it's for ratings. All those monologues are the same way. They're made to really romanticizes athlete's life before he became an athlete, before he was doing what he was doing. And the way that she goes about everything is just, it's, it's, it's such a, like, I just don't understand how her, her, her critique for everything was like, she's coming after ESPN and she's saying all these things because both that is true as well. Cause ESPN sucks. And we all know that, yeah. but then she's, what she's saying is, um, like what she's saying is I'm okay with being the only woman here. That's fine with me. But the second that my spot is being given to a different woman, then I will call out ESPN for the diversity. Then I will have an issue with it. Like yeah. we are seeing what you're saying. We can see the, the transparency behind that. And it just doesn't, it doesn't look good for the, for the onlookers. Sorry, More sorry. than that, she's saying that this person got to that spot because of their race yeah and that's the biggest issue there like to ever think and like we're all kind of women that are navigating this industry we're all women of color navigating this industry and like I know that none of us would want to believe that people think that we got to whatever space that we got to because of our race and because people were looking for diversity um I like that's gonna be a thing that's said about us I'm sure that's a thing that's said right like I like I'm not naive to believe that that's not gonna be something that's said about me in my like in the future of whatever career I choose right wherever path I lead down I'm not naive enough to think that that's not going to be something that's said about me I'm not naive to think that it's probably not something that's already been said about me but um but like that's the issue. And the issue is that it's coming from someone who claims to be an ally. It's an issue because like, you talk about it. She does go through these scripted things. And like, I'm going to be honest, I'm someone who kind of like enjoys stuff like that because at least she talks quickly. And my whole thing is like, nobody's got time for slow talkers. But um, <laughs> so like, but but she does that. And it's, it's very like concise. And she has this story and um, she hits main points and it's supposed to be heartwarming. It's supposed to like she it's it's a unique angle that she's taken. Um, and that she's kind of ran with and that's her lane. And I get it. But when she does that, it's very much playing the ally card. You can go like all of her clips that have gone viral have been very much about this is why Black Lives Matter matters. This is why I don't, she had a whole thing about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which I mean, like we should have known then. But um, <laughs> like goes through these moments and it's just like, Come on, hun. Don't claim to be an ally when you're not behind closed doors. That's it. That's the whole thing. I don't know. Do we need to rehash Rachel Nichols? I don't think so. Let's move on. Let's move on to, I mean, there's so much darkness in the NBA this week. Let's talk about Jalen Harris first. Yeah, that's going to be the that. next one that I'm going to bring up. Jalen Harris. I just didn't know how to do a segue. So thank you for asking. Gotcha. We're talking about Jalen Harris. Nor, would you like to lead the way? Yes, I would. Um, so 
couple of days ago, we saw a screenshot of Jalen Harris on Instagram flying to New York. Um, he had his foot in a cab. I think we were all just kind of wondering like, oh no, what happened now? Blah, blah, blah. Um, the next day news came out that he had immediately been let go. He was suspended for a year um, for not following protocol and for abusing the NBA's drug policy. Um, what we know so far, we don't know what drugs they've mentioned. We don't know what drugs were in the system. What we know, though, is that the drugs in the list do not does not include marijuana. So um, one of the many money could be or performance or performance enhancing drugs. or performance enhancement. Yeah. Um, so it would just be drugs of abuse. So codeine, oxy, um, fentanyl, stuff like that. We don't know what it is. Um, and he was essentially pretty much let go for a year. We don't really know what went on in the background, if there were any um, strikes given out, whatever the context may be. Um, but the question here is just, are we really doing this to rookies? Um, we don't know how, what's the extent that he's using it. Like, I know a lot of people made comments about, oh, yes, he may be abusing. He may be um, an addict. Why would you do this to somebody who's an addict? But my thought process through it too was, what if he just popped an M at a party one night and it stayed in his system? What if he was using something because he literally got injured and he was self-medicating to get rid of the pain or because he's also in off season right now, he's able okay, I understand. I don't know what drug it is. So I can't, obviously I don't condone any sort of drug use or anything like that, but that's a grown man who understands his body going through something right now, painful. What happens when you're in pain? You go towards drugs to relieve your pain. So I just feel like there's so many different factors, but um, the NBA's policy to do that to Jace Dylan Harris, um, but then give a job to Chauncey Billups, give a job to um, um, Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd, sorry, thank you. Um, it just it it doesn't it backpedals everything. Like so, you're giving this platform to somebody that we know who has these severe allegations against them and all that stuff, but you're going to give this rookie a, a suspended for a year um, just because of the war on drugs. And I know Iman, you have another point to make as well, because we do have this policy set in place for a reason. It's there to protect the players and their health and to um, protect the sanctity of the league moving forward. But we also have come a long way now where the war on drugs is not what the war was anymore. And to ruin people's lives over that, like a year for a rookie is a massive deal. You're taking away his rookie year. You're taking away the year that he will be using to get um, acquainted and affiliated with his, with his teammates, with other rookies, with the league itself, with summer league. Like he was able to, we was going to be doing so much, but to do that, to take that away from him. And let's say he was using, heavily again we don't know what the context is. we have no idea we can't assume but let's say if he was and you're going to take away his livelihood when he is abusing something would that not put someone in a cycle to go back and use more and ruin their life further absolutely and i also think there's a point of like if you believe in rehabilitation and that's the goal when you're like suspending these athletes and telling them that their actions have consequences. If rehabilitation is the thing that matters, does suspending someone for a year equal rehabilitation? I don't really think so, but I, I don't, I, once again, I don't know what's happening. Closed doors. I understand actions have consequences, 
but I don't think a year suspension is something that he's going to learn from. I don't, uh, what programs are you putting him? What conversations are you having with him? What kind of support are you giving him if you actually care about rehabilitation? Because the only thing really we should care about is his health and his ability to rehabilitate if it comes to, if it, if he needs to do that. Otherwise, all of this is just like, it's just, it's just bullshit. You don't need to punish someone for a year if they made a mistake like that. That's their own body. They're not hurting anyone. They didn't harm anyone. They didn't sexually assault anyone. Terrence Davis, that's fine, right? Terrence Davis is fine to play on the court. But when it comes to jail and we need to suspend him for a year, I don't know. It's just, I just, I just hate everything. <laughs> Yeah, I'm over it. <laughs> like, I'm over the <laughs> NBA. I'm just so over the NBA. It's all BS, honestly. Honestly, though, I remember, they, like, they I don't... feel like I've had this conversation where I stopped watching basketball after, like, the Raptors' decision with Terrence Davis. I just didn't care anymore. It's just, and then they benched uh, Siakam, like, a few <laughs> days after because he was, like, he left the court during the fourth yeah. quarter or he was, like, mean to Nick Nurse. What? Shut up. What do you actually care about? Discipline? Shut up. I want to like say, and I'm not trying to defend the NBA here, but just like uh, to a couple points, I do think that, um, and I'm trying to find the story because I need to go back to it. And you know what? I should honestly just take a look at the CBA. Want to be correct when I report this. I'm just going to not say anything definitive, but I'm pretty sure it's not, it's not like, the shikari um just you know one test and that's it you're done i don't think that there is harsh on it like that i do remember i just like i'm trying to think back to the story i think it was either based off of like tyrese evans or oj mayo uh it's definitely a recent one where i remember reading this um gonna just take a look at the cba and, and, and let you guys know when i learn it but um i'm pretty sure it's not as you know, hard and fast of a rule like that before they give you the hard suspension. So basically, um, like Nor said, it's definitely not marijuana because when it is marijuana, they don't suspend you for a full year. That's not a thing or two years. Um, and it's not a PED because that has its own sort of set of rules and suspensions and guidelines, right? So it, it is it is something that we don't know, but I don't believe it's just like a one-time fail thing. I think you have to fail it more than once. And I don't I know what- I- I saw, I, I thought the same thing as you, Iman, but I yeah. saw two people and I, again, I don't know how true this is because I can't really find the info anywhere and I wish it was more accessible, but it's not. Yeah, I, I'm going to look it up on the CBA. There's like, you can Google the CBA. You have to, you have to be a lawyer. So do you want to read oh. it? Sorry, continue. <laughs> um, but I saw people having a convo in my mentions because I talked about Jalen Harris and they yeah. said that they do have a three strike policy in the NBA. The three strike policies for weed. So if you're- That's different. But then I think for hard drugs, there's, there's no, there's no policy. It's an automatic first offense and you're out. Oh, interesting. Because I like, I feel like I find find that hard to believe considering I know players use like other drugs. Well, maybe we'll see. Like I I want to, I also, I think the other part of it too is how often you're tested too. Right. Like, yeah. The the thing is you weren't supposed to be tested as often and you don't get tested as I think if you're not, maybe it is if you're if you're on the offseason, you do get tested, but it's a little bit of super rare. It's not happen that often. Yeah. Um, and he was one of the very 
few people who had been selected to be tested. And I mean, like they probably kind of maybe knew he had a problem. And maybe that's the thing where it's like if someone says, you know what, you should probably test this guy or something like that. Like there's probably something there's a lot to this that we don't know. There's a lot to this that we don't know. But um, I I do think that like um, one. That, like it, it's it's tough because. Yeah. So for weed is completely different where weed, you get like a, a warning, you get a $25,000 fine, and then you get suspended for five days. Like that's kind of how weed goes. That's the three strikes that you have there. Essentially, this is a little bit different. And the NBA does provide you with some sort of counseling. The NBA does try to provide you with rehabilitation. If you're, if you're not a rookie, you get two years suspension. So you have to link for two years. If you're a rookie, you only get a year. So that's why he only has a year. Cause that's their way of kind of making it a little bit nicer, making it a little bit easier. You don't get that two year ago. And it is something that like we've seen Tyreek Evans in 2019. So like 2021 will be the first year that he's able to like reinstated back into the league. Um, and then um, OJ Mayo 2016 has yet to come back. Chris Birdman Anderson 2000 and like mid 2000 somewhere where he did leave and come back. So we've seen it actually worked in recent years where a player did leave and come back. So like the NBA is trying to put this into policy for reasons. Here's the thing. The NBA had a massive drug problem in the seventies. Okay. <laughs> As a drug problem in the seventies and here's, and you have to also remember like the seventies was before the NBA really became the global powerhouse that it is today, where it is a, it is a global brand. They have games in China. They're eventually going to branch out to have games in Australia. This is a very global game. It was not that. Players were not getting paid $300 million. It was nothing like that. Um, and the NBA was really trying to market themselves to a much larger audience. And yes, having a predominantly Black player base, you kind of have to clean shit up a little bit. So yes, racism definitely plays a part. It always plays a part. But also, there were a lot of drugs happening. Like, you know, there's the played in the league and had and has been banned because of drug use. Right. Like his father is someone who has has come across this this ban. Like this is a ban that was implemented in 1983 because of how many like players like there are instances of death. Right. Like we know the Len Bias story of like in 1986. Granted, this is after this came into effect and he never actually got to play an NBA game. But two days after he was drafted, died because of an over like due to complications that happened because of a cocaine overdose the 70s and 80s were a very wild time in the nba for drugs specifically and it almost ruined the league like it was very very rampant there are stories that approximately like 40 percent of the league was using cocaine or some other drugs like there are, there are instances of like very high usage so that's the reason why this rule was in place it is not 1983 anymore it is 2021. We're almost 40 years later. You need to change things up to North Point. We need to grow and adapt and evolve with the times. And I do think the NBA has done that. I know that the rule was changed in the mid 2000s. They had the CBA um, change there. I know Michelle Roberts is talking about changing it in the next CBA negotiations, specifically for marijuana. I don't know what the rules are for other drugs, but we need to focus on other drugs as something to not penalize and punish players for, but to really focus on rehabilitation and making someone lose their livelihood doesn't seem like a way to do that. Making someone lose the way for them to support their family doesn't seem like the way to do that. Now, I have no answer because I'm not a mental health expert and I know nothing about how to treat someone with drug offenses. And I know nothing about the liability that the NBA holds if they continue to employ this person and not punish them 
them in any way? What if that person passes out on the court? What if anything happens? I don't know any of the legal implications and I don't know the extent of Jalen Harris's, but to have one rule for people who are longtime sufferers, Keon Clark has talked about never yeah. having played a game sober, right? Wow. Like, like, and, and that's someone who, unfortunately, like we can look at how his life changed post the NBA playing career and all sorts of things that happened there. But like one of my favorite Raptors of all time, right? Like it was a very fun player to watch, but you, you like the NBA, I think is trying to be responsible and trying to be reasonable, but like, I don't know their way to do I have no idea what the answers are. It just doesn't seem to make sense to me to have one rule for all different offenses. There needs to be, I hope the rule isn't just one test and you're out of here for a year or for two years, which seems even crazier to me. I hope it's not that because that doesn't make sense. You can't have a one size fits all rule for something like drug abuse when there are so many different reasons. Like you said, he could just be rehabilitating from an injury and maybe that's why he's taking things to ease his pain. It could have been a night out partying and he took some MDMA. It could have been anything. And that is very different than someone who is struggling with a general issue that the NBA needs to treat. Right. So um, I have. And they also can't pick and choose when they want to have a system set in place for something, because if the NBA had a drug problem in the 80s, well, the NBA has a sexual assault problem right now. The NBA has a domestic violence problem right now, has a racism problem right now. So what are you doing about that? Why are we being selective with what we choose to punish when you should be punishing people who have done way worse to other people as opposed to Jalen Harris. Again, like you said, might be self-medicating, might be having a night out or might be going through some shit needs help through. Yeah. I hope it's not the night out. Like I really do hope that the NBA does test them multiple times. I like want to believe that that's what they do because it's the only thing that makes sense in my brain. Um, because it, it, imagine you just went out for one night. We know that NBA players party. We'd like Adam Silver would be naive to think that he's the only person who's taken, you know, who, yeah. who's had a line of cocaine or has taken popped a pill or whatever it is that he did. Like, come on, let's be real with ourselves. Um, so I, I hope it's something more serious than that. And I think the issue with the domestic violence and the issue with anything else like that is kind of our societal issue. Is like we see that in courts, it's impossible to prove. So imagine the NBA doing it when the NBA PA exists to protect players. Imagine, yeah, but just have the same energy, you know, like just have That's the impossible. same energy. This, no, this doesn't hurt you to do that. If anything, it makes you look like you're you're picking and choosing when you want to be stern and when you want to punish someone for what they what you want to do. And to choose to do oh, to yeah. someone that when like it's like I said, like there's two different punishments. It's one when someone commits an act and it's against somebody else. One, when you're doing something to yourself, those two are different things and they should be punished differently. And we don't see one being punished at all. And we see one who now he can't play in his rookie year. Yep. But that's a societal problem. That is that is a much larger problem than the NBA. The NBA, like we talked about at the start of it, at the top of the show, is a microcosm of what exists throughout the world that we live in. And yeah, but currently, though, like the world has affected it, right? You're not going to figure it out. But yeah, like like bigger problem, 100%. That that needs to be like a men thing, the sexual assault thing, racism thing. That all ends up falling under. It's not just an NBA thing. It's a problem in every workforce. Where you go, you're going to find it. The world. The the way that they have it set up just with, like, I don't know. The the Jalen Harris stuff sits so wrong with me. And I just, you're just watching them take someone's life away for a year. and. But that's, like, that's what I'm saying about it being a world issue. Like, you know, think about people who are there are way more drug offenders in prison right now than there are rapists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it's just the world yeah. that we live in. 
And so it's a much larger societal problem because the NBA can't prove anything, right? Like they're not going to dedicate their lawyers to then figure it out. Like the NBA, the MBPA for one is never going to stand for something like that. And like Sandy said, there are lots of other implications there with racial stuff. Like there's just, it's too much, I think, for the NBA to even begin to tackle if it's not something that's tackled by the legal court system. So really what we need to be doing is pressuring our legal court system to be a little bit better. And I think but the what we can do with our voices here, because I, I do believe that we're kind of the conscience of the NBA. The NBA is not Black Lives Matter, is not pro Black Lives Matter. The NBA is not pro. Is pro whatever the fans are. Well, yes, exactly. They're they're pro money. They're pro money. So whatever we support, whatever we lend our voices to, the NBA is going to listen because it's money that's on the line. So I think the more left the fan base leans, the more vocal the fan base is, the more outraged we are by their hirings, it's going to force the other team to sit back and think about it. Because here's the thing, we're talking about Chauncey Billups. That has dominated the news story. 10 years ago, it wouldn't have made a peep. Think about it. He raped the woman in 1997, won a championship, was finals MVP, and we didn't hear a peep about that. I think learned about to how I had no idea. Far time. I had no idea. I was a Chauncey fan. Like I grew up on him and I didn't know about it until a few weeks ago. I truly believe that Dame didn't know about it. I heard lots of people being like, how did Dame not know about it? I believe the same way we did it. Yeah. I literally heard it for the first time, like three or four weeks ago, like right right before everybody else heard about it. And I was like, I can't, I can't go through this with another player. I'm tired. Like fuck all of them. Um, This is Um, a perfect time for me to um, plug in that. Yasmin actually wrote a great article on Yahoo yeah. Sports about Jalen Harris and how his ban reveals NBA's uneven standards for accountability. So check that out. It's a great one. It's Yasmin. Obviously, it's great. We'll it's obviously- add it to the link alongside here. Um, she does a really good job going over just how the NBA operates and um, also talks about like why these rules are like a month that important to be in place, but why they just, why they are wrong to take away from someone and someone's livelihood like that. Um, This has been a very... Wait, one last thing that I do want to plug because the NBA finals is happening and we have not talked about it. Um, Katie also wrote a really dope piece. Oh, yes. Out with the old guards. It's in with the new. We've got the Milwaukee Bucks in a championship. We got the Phoenix Suns in a championship. Um, the first time that any of these players outside of like, I guess, Jake Potter, they're players that have made the finals. I'm not going to go through these rosters, but it's going to be the first time that we're seeing Giannis and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez and a lot of that team's brass. I can't think of a player on that team. I'm trying to go through the roster right now in my head that has made the finals. I'm going to say that entire team's first time in the finals. Um, Mike Budenholzer certainly his first time as a head coach in the finals. And on to Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns. We know it's Chris Paul's first time in the finals, although he's not an old guard. I mean, he's not a new guard. <laughs> he's an old guard. You still got Devin Booker, who's a new guard who's taken over. So check out Katie's piece as well. And also the finals exist, but we don't really care about them. No. Those Suns. Go Suns, though. <laughs> Huge Suns fan. Your district sucks. sucks. I can't wait for the worst thing ever to show them on the court that this is what you missed out on. This is what I should have traded for me. And this is why I'm going to send you home and I'm going to make Bud fired. I love, like, I'm so happy that Bud will not be fired next year. That's all we need. When the real, I don't want him. I know I've been on the fire, but train, but then I'm like, I'm so stupid. It serves my purpose to have, I want him signed for life. I want him to do a blood contract with with the Bucks 
made the finals. Never fire a coach who makes the finals. Terrible decision. Don't do it. Keep him forever. Bud for life. (laughs) All right, y'all. This has been a very fun, long, informative um, episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, These are constructive conversations to have. You don't have to agree with everything that we said today. We're not experts in any of the fields that we're talking about. We're just frustrated fans, just like you guys. Uh, So feel free to engage with us on the timeline and tell us how you feel about anything. My name is Iman. I'm out for Dishes and Dimes. Nora, Sidra, how are y'all? I'm out. I'm going to drink some water and go to sleep. (laughs) Take care of your skin, everyone. Good night, guys. Talk to women in your life, please. Yeah, respect women and respect black women, please. Respect black women, especially. Respect, not yeah. especially, but like respect us because you when you respect it. black women, you're literally respecting every woman. So, especially. <laughs> <laughs>